Section twenty of Fires and Firefighters by John Kenlon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter nineteen Fire Strategy in the Homes of the People. To prevent a fire is one thing, to fight it is another. And since this volume deals with all aspects of the subject, some consideration must be given to fire fighting in its active sense that is, how to deal with outbreaks when an alarm is turned in, and the best method of using apparatus. This may sound to the lay reader stale and unprofitable reading, but if he will take his courage in both hands and dip into the subject in ever so small a degree, he will find much to give him thought, much that will be of value to him, and a certain number of useful hints which should be of assistance to him should he ever be unfortunate enough as to be involved in a fire. The fire risk becomes more apparent as soon as it is realized that it is a menace to the home, and that the flames are no respecters of persons, and are as likely to visit the mansion or the tenement as the factory or the warehouse. It is hard to realize when reading newspaper reports of some great conflagration quite what it all means. It seems so far away, so remote from the happenings of daily routine, that it is perused with passing interest and forgotten. Then comes the day when suddenly the menace appears in all its lurid horror, and behold the occasion when an ounce of knowledge regarding fire and its usual course of progress may be the means of preventing the advance of the enemy and of saving human life. Of course prevention is better than cure, but even as the hypochondriac occasionally falls a victim to the ills the flesh is heir to, and has to invoke scientific aid in order to regain his health, so it is with fire. With all the precautions in the world, it is impossible to guarantee that an outbreak will never occur. But it is within the ken of man, what then to do? and though the professional will be needed to fight with the sufferer as the doctor does with his patient, the individual who is prepared for the onset, and knows just what course the attack will probably take, is doubly armed against the foe. It is for this reason that the writer is hopeful that the general reader will persevere and glance through the following pages. Certainly, if a person of discernment, the previous chapters will have shown him how life has often been unnecessarily sacrificed at fires, when well-directed action would have saved the situation. In all countries, responses to fire calls, particularly those turned in from street boxes, are usually very prompt. As a rule, about twenty seconds is consumed in hitching up and getting the apparatus out of quarters, Horses are trained to come to their places at the pole on a gallop, and all harness is hung with an open collar which locks with a snap. Commonly, three engines and two hook-and-ladder companies are designated to respond on the first alarm, and in making the assignments, the company nearest the spot from which the call was sent in is expected to be the first to reach its destination. In forwarding reports of operations at fires, the officers must state the order of their arrival, and also which company gets to work quickest. It will be easily deduced that this creates a spirit of the keenest rivalry, and to be beaten in a dash to an outbreak at which a company is first due is considered a humiliation. If it happens twice in succession, 
the commander of the defeated company is asked for an explanation allowances being made for gradients and traffic and should it appear that the company is lacking in energy or vim caused in any way by indifference on the part of officers or men a reorganization is sure to follow this then is the primal step towards the formation of a good company which is the unit of organization horses must be carefully trained for a few seconds lost in getting away from quarters cannot be made up en route particularly when the other companies have had a better start the driver is as important as his animals and should be a man trained to the hour and one who knows every inch of the streets and every fire hydrant in the district to which his company may be called many an occasion can be recalled by the writer when on the way to a fire he reviewed the whole district surrounding the box whence the alarm was received and had the hydrants clearly in mind as the engine approached its destination often pulling up in front of one completely shut off from view by obstructions secure in his knowledge of its existence the engineer should be equally well informed and should know the size of the main on which the hydrant is situated and how much water can be drawn therefrom this prevents the mistake of having too many engines located on small mains with low pressure when approaching the fire the engineer should jump from his engine run ahead and have the cap off the hydrant as the apparatus pulls up with the change from horse to motor as a means of propulsion the department has been shorn of some of the spectacular features which in the old days added to the picturesqueness of the proceedings but the dangers of injury in responding to a call through crowded thoroughfares are greatly increased stretching in hose lines at fires has been the subject of many orders and lectures but when celerity is paramount hose cannot be measured by the foot as can be done in a classroom however when the location of the fire has been ascertained the commanding officer should have a fairly good idea of the number of lengths required and it is slovenly and shows but poor judgment to see hose coiled in the streets in front of the site of the outbreak controlling nozzles should be used for inside work in order that the stream may be shut off from this point and at fires in tenements and private dwellings the greatest care should be exercised in the use of water as the floors are not filled in such cases the water runs through the floorboards destroying the ceilings beneath and the furnishings of the lower floors the best way to illustrate these rules is to assume an outbreak in an old-style tenement where the blaze has started in a store on the ground floor in addition to the main entrance and show window the store has a door opening from the rear into a hallway where are situated stairs which lead to the apartments above in this type of building there are usually six floors including the store with from three to four families on each the stairs are of wood and all partitions are stud covered with wooden lath and plaster the ingenuity of man could scarcely devise a better fire trap than that which is afforded by this style of construction to prevent the fire from reaching the stairwell and by this means ascending to the top only to mushroom on the highest floor is the first thing to be done a line of hose should be taken into the hall to cover the rear door and transom to stop the fire spreading up the stairs 
whereby that means of escape from the upper stories would be cut off. The second line should attack the fire from the front through the main door, while ladders should immediately be raised to the front fire escapes and the floors over the store should be examined to make sure that the blaze has not mounted through pipe recesses or other vertical openings. Should the alarm have been sent in with promptitude, a fire of this nature can, and in all probability will, be confined to the store where it originated. But if there has been delay, and the fire has burned through the doors communicating with the hallway and stairs, and by means of these latter has swept through a crowded tenement, a very different problem awaits the officer in command upon his arrival. As in the former instance, the first line should operate in the hall, to drive the fire back through the door leading into the store, and when that has been accomplished, the nozzle should be directed up the stairwell, which is usually about twelve inches wide. A stream sent up this opening will deaden the fire down on the upper landings, which at present it is impossible to reach in any other way. The second line should be opened on the fire in the store from the front, and the flames subdued to prevent them ascending on the outside of the building, and enveloping people who by this time would be crowding onto the fire escapes. A few seconds should suffice to quell this portion of the outbreak, when the line should be taken to the hall in order to cover the first company, which by now should be ascending the stairs. In the meantime, hook and ladder companies would have placed ladders on the street side of the building, and would have begun the work of rescue from fire escapes and windows. In cases of this nature, events move swiftly, and in far less time than it takes to write, a line would be rushed to the top floor by front or rear fire escapes, generally by the latter, as the landings are, in most cases, nearer to the back of the structure. This line is of the greatest importance, and if the position is reached quickly, the fire should be prevented from spreading on the top floors, one man should be sent by way of adjoining buildings to open the bulkhead door, which is found in all places of this type, and which leads from the highest story onto the roof, in order to assist in accomplishing this purpose. All possible efforts should be made to force the advance line up the stairs, and here is where men must take their medicine if need be. Life depends on their grit, determination, and endurance for work of this kind often entails severe trial. By this time the second line in the hall should have killed the fire in the store, and should immediately follow in the rear of the other line on the stairway, in order to prevent the flames coming out behind them and cutting them off, or rendering their efforts abortive. It is essential in firefighting, as it is in battle, that companies or columns be supported, or in firemen's parlance, covered. To detach a column from the main army and direct it to attack a well-entrenched enemy without proper support would seem to the writer to be a tactical error. And similarly, to order an unaided company into a position where its retreat is cut off by fire would be a very dangerous proceeding. In war, the column would in all probability fall into the hands of the enemy and become prisoners. But fire takes no prisoners and the battle-cry is death or victory. Therefore it will be understood that companies must support each other, the more advanced being always assisted and covered by the other coming up the stairs or on the floors below. 
there is one more essential point to be guarded namely the light shaft which is usually between two of these buildings and the windows opening into this space should be protected in order that the fire should not extend upwards on the outside or cross the shaft and ignite the adjoining buildings this disposition of forces should successfully deal with a fire of such a character without loss of life for during the operations described the two hook and ladder companies would have been engaged in conveying all the residents to a place of safety every action or order cannot be foretold nor would the writer attempt to say in what respect a commanding officer might find it necessary to deploy his forces but he should use all possible efforts to outflank the fire he should never neglect when the flames have control of the stairway to take a line to the top floor by way of the fire escape in outbreaks of this character there is always danger of loss of life and the risk is greatest on the top floors but with a line following the fire and a stream above it the enemy is placed between two batteries and his doom is sealed the opening of the bulkhead door in the roof allows the heat and flame to escape gives the men coming up the stairs a living chance and permits the other company to effect an entrance from above in order to finish the work already well in hand in dealing with an old-style tenement it is important to look carefully around all pipe vents and also the partitions near folding doors as every stud partition is a vertical flue and there are few fire stops the lath should be stripped until it is satisfactorily proven that there are no nests of fire concealed behind the plaster above all things a search should be made as soon as possible in every room for persons who might have been overcome by smoke and the floors under the beds should be carefully inspected for as already stated children will invariably take refuge in these places and if not found and carried out at once to the open air will die of suffocation this is a brief outline of a fire presupposed to have started in a store but it may have originated in the cellar when as the building has an inside stairway this latter should immediately be covered to prevent the flames from mounting should it succeed the outbreak is similar to the one described therefore the first object as stated above is to confine the blaze and then the cellar should be entered by the front or rear doors when the outbreak has been located distributing nozzles should be used through the floor over the section which shows the greatest heat rapid action is the keynote of success and as fire spreads like lightning through these old buildings a few seconds delay may mean loss of life by quick stretching in and with good engines to give water to the lines the fire will be suppressed and it is just these qualities of prompt action and swift decision which have saved thousands of persons in new york city each year ten thousand fires occur in these homes of the working population making up sixty-four per cent of the total number of outbreaks recorded much more might be written on old-style tenement house fires though should such an occurrence originate on any floor and spread to the stair hall the effect would be the same and should be combated in a like fashion it is not the intention of the writer to lay down specific rules or to attempt to tell the chief in command at a fire that this or that should be done since local conditions alter cases 
For the same reason, no rule is given for life-saving, beyond the raising of extension and other ladders on the front, and, if it be possible, on the rear of the tenement, in order to remove the occupants at different points. Extraordinary cases of peril, when all human ingenuity seems exhausted, often result in daring feats of rescue accomplished in a way that no one could foresee. In new-style tenements, the stair halls are enclosed in brick walls, the ground floor is fireproof, and the hall doors leading to the different apartments are calamine. There is usually a long private hall running the full length of individual flats, which, should a fire break out, would soon be heavily charged with heat and smoke. Should the fire originate at the end farthest from the door through which the firemen enter, great hardship is entailed in crawling the length of this narrow passage dragging a line of hose. Water should not be started until the blaze is located, so that the stream may be played directly on the flames, instead of doing unnecessary damage by opening the nozzle when no fire is visible. In order to relieve the men with the line, hook and ladder companies should be active in ventilating the apartment, and if there be a fire escape on the front or rear, the windows should be opened. In circumstances where the fire has gained considerable headway, a second line should be taken up one of the fire escapes. Should a heavy flame belch forth from windows on the lower floors, there is always danger of the heat breaking the glass in those overhead, and in this way communicating the fire from floor to floor. This should be met with heavy streams from the outside to drive the fire back, using a water tower, mast, deck, or turret pipe, or if none of these be available, a street pipe may be employed, though these should be shut off when the flames have ceased to spread on the exterior. To locate and confine a fire to the smallest possible area is one of the first great principles of firefighting. As it is the tendency of flames to burn upwards, care must be exercised and attention given to the floors above the outbreak, though it should be understood that the floors below should not be neglected. Firebrands often fall through an elevator shaft or other vertical openings and start a blaze in the story below, so that attention must be given to all parts of the building involved and even to adjoining houses. Before leaving the scene of an outbreak, the greatest care should be taken to see that all fire is really extinguished, since sometimes there is a tendency to overlook odd corners, resulting in a recall to the scene later in the day, an incident all firefighters regard as in some degree a reflection on their skill, and often causing embarrassing questions. A new style of apartment house is being erected in New York City and elsewhere, divided into so-called duplex flats. Each of these has one main entrance from the stair and elevator hall, while its upper floor is reached by an inner staircase with no means of direct exit to the main hall outside. In other words, it resembles a two-story house within another house. There are no outside fire escapes, no means of reaching the upper floor except by way of the inside stairs, and should a fire occur, the heat and smoke would immediately ascend, and all escape from the upper floor would be cut off. Firemen would be obliged to enter the apartment by the one door leading to the elevator, 
and would find that the flames had already extended to the floor above. Two lines would be stretched either up the stairs, or, if it be a building more than eighty-five feet high and the fire is above the fourth floor, from the standpipes, the engine being connected to the Siamese at street level. The first line should be opened on the fire to clear the way to the inner stairs. The second line should also be brought into play to kill the fire on the lower floor and to cover the first line, which should try to ascend. This may be almost impossible, as the heat and smoke will be confined above, unless the outbreak is of sufficient magnitude to melt the windows or blow them out, and if this occurs the contents of that apartment will be destroyed. To ventilate the upper floor is the problem before the officer in command, and the only method of so doing is to use the hook of a scaling ladder or a telescope hook which has recently been designed for just such cases. When this has been done, it will be possible to get the lines up the stairs. Should the fire occur on the upper story, it would back down and charge the lower floor with smoke, with a similar result. This type of building, while admittedly convenient for tenants, is most dangerous in case of fire, and people may be trapped twelve stories above the street. Personal risk can be obviated to a great extent by connecting each floor by means of a balcony fire escape on the inner court. In cases where it is impossible to attack the upper floor by way of the stair, the terracotta partition dividing the apartment from the hall should be broken through on a level with the upper story. This is not a very difficult matter, and a hole large enough to admit a man would soon be made, and a charged line should be introduced. After the room is cooled, it may then be possible to effect an entrance, when the line should be directed towards the stairs, in order that communication with the floor below may be re-established, and a thorough search for possible occupants should be made. It is remarkable how much more latitude is allowed in designing private dwellings than is given architects in plans for tenements, apartment houses, and hotels, and many disastrous fires, often attended with loss of life, occur in such structures. A common defect is the large open stairway. Elevators have recently been introduced, reaching usually to the top floor, and capped with a four- or six-inch stone slab, which, from the standpoint of fire control, is an extremely dangerous form of construction, as, should an outbreak occur, the flames will quickly ascend the shaft, and having no outlet through the roof, will inevitably mushroom on the upper floors, thereby entailing possible loss of life. Such a thing as fire, in any part of a house except in the furnace, is not thought probable or even possible. So when the unexpected happens, great masses of draperies, carpets, and heavily upholstered furniture soon turn the building into a roaring volcano of flame. Many dwellings of the wealthy stand in an enclosure, often surrounded by high iron railings, making it particularly difficult to get any kind of ladder near enough to be of service. This class of structure has no outside fire escapes, which increases the peril of people trapped on the upper floors. In such a case, a person should never attempt to descend the stairs, but should, if possible, reach a front window, or any that can be found smoke-free, and call for help. 
every minute of waiting may seem an hour, but someone in the neighborhood will assuredly turn in an alarm. Above all, remember that jumping is the last resort of the desperate, and if driven to that final extremity, sheets, curtains, or blankets will provide some sort of assistance towards reaching the ground. On his arrival, the commander of the fire forces should at once stretch a line, taking it in through the main entrance and driving the fire away from the stairs. If by this time the flames have forestalled such an attempt, all speed should be used to follow in their path. And should there be a back stairway, this should be covered in the same manner. It takes but a few seconds to make a survey and to see in which direction the fire is spreading, when it should be outflanked with all rapidity and its progress stopped. The building should at once be covered with ladders, for while no persons may be visible, some may appear at any moment. An extension ladder should immediately be raised if the fire has control of the stairway, in order that a line may be taken in through an upper floor window to cut off the advance of the flames. Men should be sent to the upper floors to ventilate the rooms and to search for persons who may have been overcome. The size of the house and the extent of the fire should be the guide to a chief on his arrival in summoning additional aid, and no time should be lost in sending in further alarms where conditions are dangerous. It is earnestly suggested that owners should equip their homes with a few fire extinguishers to be used pending the arrival of the firemen, and it may be added that draperies are a prolific source of danger. The first floor at least should be fireproof, and in case of an outbreak in the living rooms, curtains should be torn down, and the fire trampled out or beaten with rugs, using any means to hold it in check until the arrival of the trained firefighters. Telephones as a means of sending in alarms are untrustworthy, as under such circumstances excitement is liable to cause the message to be misunderstood. In the case of town houses, there is nearly always an alarm box in the vicinity. The most dangerous fires in private dwellings usually occur at night after the occupants have retired, and as the bedrooms are generally on the upper floors, the premises should be thoroughly searched the last thing at night by the owner or some responsible person, and if electricity is used as a means of lighting, the wiring should be frequently examined. Both owners and architects are loath to extend an elevator shaft above the house, because of the inartistic effect of having an unsightly object protrude through the roof. But the shaft could be connected by a fireproof flue to one in the chimney, which would carry smoke and fire over the roofs and ventilate the floors, thus giving the occupants a chance of escape. There also appears no reason why the sprinkler system should not be installed in houses which possess elevators, in order that in the event of a fire, sprinkler heads might operate in the shaft and prevent the upward trend of the blaze. In all the foregoing classes of buildings, fire is always necessarily a great menace to their tenants, and deaths may result from the smallest of outbreaks in a crowded tenement or in a great mansion. It seldom happens, however, that the life lost is that of a fireman, with the possible exception that he may be suffocated by escaping gas in cellars. Here lies one of the greatest dangers to the force, and gas should be promptly shut off from the building involved, 
especially when the fire has begun in or spread to the basement. The above instructions are not difficult to comprehend or to carry out, that is to say, as applied to the layman, all that is demanded is a minimum of coolness and the avoidance of panic amongst strangers who may be on the scene and are unaccustomed to the realization of the dangers of unconsidered action. Of course, in large country houses remote from any professional firefighting force, a private brigade should always be formed from workmen on the estate. It is not difficult to instruct them in the efficient use of simple apparatus, while prompt and timely action would in many cases save fine old mansions of historic interest, which, alas, are annually lost by fire. Granted their construction is faulty, and that the architects of three centuries ago neglected to consider fire risks, still, even so, it is an error to give up the battle as lost before firing a shot. End of section 20. Recording by Maria Casper.